Immersive Audio Podcast. In conversation with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business, to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. Welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast brought to you by 1618 Digital in collaboration with Sennheiser. Today, we bring you the highlights from the Audio Design for Mixed Reality Applications panel hosted by Sennheiser during the Game Developers Conference last week in San Francisco. The panel featured guest Jean-Marc Jot, a distinguished fellow with Magic Leap, Gio Jacuzzi, a 3D audio software engineer with the Sennheiser Ambio team, Jack Daniel Gerard, the head of sound at OneRick, and Orpheus Batias, the founder and CEO of Krotos, and was moderated by Oliver Cadell, co-founder and audio lead at 1618 Digital. The panel discussed the latest tools and the workflow for sound design for mixed reality, as well as challenges and innovations that are shaping the future of the immersive audio industry. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Today's panel is about audio design for mixed reality application. And I have to say the whole industry is only at the beginning of an extraordinary journey. So let's introduce ourselves. My name is Oliver Cadell and I'm a co-founder and audio lead at 160 Digital and I also co-present Immersive Audio Podcast. From left to right, Jean-Marc Jean, a distinguished fellow at Magic Leap. Gio Jacuzzi, um, a 3D software engineer at Sennheiser Ambio Innovation Team. Orpheus Bateos, founder and CEO at Krotos, and Jack Daniel Gerard is an AR developer and a head of sound at OneRick. So we're gonna dive into this topic right away. During the last segment, we're gonna maybe allocate 15, 20 minutes and open up the floor for Q&A. Guys, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourselves, what you do, um, and I would like to start with the first question. What does audio design for mixed reality mean to you today? Okay, I'm going to start. I'm Jean-Marc Jot. Uh, what I do is uh, I lead a team uh, that we call the Audio Algorithms Team at Magic Leap. That was founded about uh, the beginning of 2018, uh, and we essentially the purpose of it is to populate, uh, be responsible for all the audio algorithm, all the audio processing in the device. Right now, we are focusing on 3D audio rendering. Hey everyone, thanks so much for coming. Um, so my name is Gio Jacuzzi, and um, I'm a 3D audio engineer and experience designer for Sennheiser's Ambio team. Ambio is kind of the company's umbrella term for everything we do in the world of immersive or quote unquote 3D audio. Um, and, and my role in, in a lot of projects is to be kind of the person that uh, makes sure our audio solutions are working with um, real applications or experiences. So uh, lately, like the latest project that I've been involved on is an, an experience we made for Magic Leap actually um, called the Ambio Augmented Audio Lab. Um, which is just a glimpse at what might be possible when we think about designing mixed reality experiences specifically with the, the audio in mind. So um, that's been kind of my role, just making sure that uh, our audio tools are working well in that space and trying to see what, uh, what can be done uh, moving onwards. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm the founder of Krotos. Krotos a company that develops audio software for the entertainment industry. So our mission is to improve the way people work with sound. Um, so um, we started by making Dehumanizer, which is uh, software for making 
extreme vocal effects with your voice. Uh, and we have a whole suite of different tools now and different technologies. And in terms of um, new media and mixed reality, um, we have this uh, software called Reformer, which allows you to perform uh, sound effects in real time. And you can also generate them um, from data. So we're interested in, in kind of exploring this more. And kind of we're interested in to see how you can improve the way you design and perform sound effects and how real and virtual objects can interact and create sound effects in, in real time. So that's kind of what we do. Hello, I'm Jack Daniel Gerard, and um, I am the head of sound and an AR developer for OneRick Studios. Um, we're a content-driven AR studio specifically. Um, we're pretty bound to that medium. And as head of sound, I'm in charge of everything from music to sound design to dialogue editing, and I work with a few of the other panelists' tools to assure the most quality product at the end. Um, and I think spatial sound is like evolving to be, you know, even more important to the medium than sound is for films, um, just to dealing with things like presence. Uh, yeah. So mixed reality in its sort of most current um, shape and form uh, as a term, it's, it's relatively new. And perhaps, you know, um, our audience here and the wider audience online are more familiar with the term virtual reality. So what I'd like to do is ask Jean-Marc, could you please explain the key differences between Virtual reality and mixed reality. Virtual reality is relatively recent as well, uh, and you know you may have there are a number of devices already to play virtual reality. And that's that's been an exciting field, um, but fundamentally, what it's trying to do is immerse you in an experience that replaces your real world. So, forget your real world, and we're trying to suspend your disbelief. All you put all that gear on your face make you feel like you're somewhere else. Uh, you're aware it's artificial, uh, that everything you see and experience here is artificial. In mixed reality, uh, you also wear a device, but you see the real world at the same time and you hear the real world at the same time. So most of what you're experiencing is real. And that's very different because now the, the device allows you to, is renders uh, graphically and uh, also audibly some additional pieces of information some objects, some characters that you might see. But ideally, if it all works perfectly, you might not know what's real and what's virtual, contrary to virtual reality. So that creates for us, it's, it's a new step in uh, the challenge of rendering uh, virtual objects, uh, because we, we have the challenge of matching reality, and you can compare in real time the real world and the virtual world in those situations. So that's, that's why it's exciting to us. <laughs> Guys, would you like to add anything on this one? Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, touching on what you said, I think in augmented reality specifically, like this idea of like presence and like, you know, having things feel like they're actually there um, is super important and sound has a lot to do with that. You know, like spatial audio, like talking to a person, hearing them. Geo, we know that not all mixed reality experiences uh, have to necessarily involve computer graphics and expensive headsets that process all that information. Could you share some examples with us um, of audio-only based augmented reality experiences or um, concepts? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this topic is something that often isn't really talked about so much because it's not, for lack of a better term, like as sexy and as visible, 
like no pun intended as, as everything else that's going on, but like there's a lot of audio only experiences that are problems that we can solve now. We're not waiting on any additional technology to catch up or any kind of form factor to catch up with a user. So like, I think there's kind of two areas that I'd want to highlight on in, in talking about audio only augmented or mixed reality experiences. And the first is thinking about, um, you know, experiences or applications that we already use that we're already familiar with maybe in our day-to-day -day lives that we can either improve or, or make easier or make more natural by actually making them an audio-only um, experience. So something simple like that we all do maybe every day at work would be conference calls, right? Um, and I, I, the more and more I'm talking with my colleagues around the world, I get so frustrated with hearing, you know, five or six or maybe dozens of different people all through the same channel in the same space uh, competing for, for, for air, really. And so um, simple things like, uh, you know, audio-only um, conference calls that are spatialized so that even if I am remotely talking to a bunch of colleagues of mine, you know, they each have their respective spatialized position that I hear and um, we're all within the same kind of either virtual, uh, maybe virtual acoustic environment and it's more of a natural way to actually engage with people remotely. You know, I think that's like a very um, common thing or a common example that people bring up. Um, but if you take it one step further, um, like I, I think that audio only, thinking about how we can improve phone calls even um, in this kind of a vein. Like uh, I was recently visiting Switzerland for, for work. We have an office over there in Zurich and um, uh, my, my colleague took me to this um, festival, this uh, kind of winter to spring uh, carnival festival that um, happens every year. It's been happening for a thousand years. And um, it was really cool. The reason I bring it up is because it's uh, just this total cacophony of flutes and drums and just sonic madness early, early in the morning. And I really wanted it to share this experience with my partner back home, you know, by giving them a call. And I was thinking, how cool would it be is if you know, I could actually render that person's voice in my environment and also pass, you know, binaurally the actual immersive or 3D audio experience of me being in that space um, without having to worry about noise or signals contending with each other. So I think those are kind of general ideas where these are experiences that we have every day, things like phone calls, navigation, that could be improved with audio-only experiences. Um, you know, for instance, if I'm walking through that city in Switzerland, not having to look at my screen and be distracted by a little dotted line that I'm following, but actually being led, you know, naturally by a kind of uh, spatialized marker and being able to focus on what I see, I think that's right for the picking, and those are things that we can tackle now. Uh, but looking more into the future, what I'm really excited about is... Um, you know, audio-only mixed or augmented reality experiences where we're actually changing what people are hearing in real life. So that could be like smart and connected listening. So maybe, you know, we're at, um, we're at dinner and I'm maybe having dinner with my grandmother who's hard of hearing. Um, I could maybe improve her hearing or audibility and focus in on her voice over um, all the hub, you know, the walla walla that's happening around me. Perhaps if a baby goes crying behind, I can actually selectively take that noise and remove it from my listening experience. Like, that's just starting to scratch the surface of what I think is possible when we start thinking about, like, what if we mess with the actual signals that are going into our ears and how, how, can, how can we open those doors? Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's super important. Like, um, like, you know, something that AR is, like, a really, the most important part about the medium is that context um, is, like, one of the biggest storytellers and element, you know? It's, like, when you see 
a two-dimensional film or a production, like the context is like you have a certain set of ideas you're going into it with. Like, you know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch a screen with like an augmented reality experience, you know. You could be like in your bedroom, you know, and everyone's bedroom is different. So, you know, how do different sounds interact with different spaces and, you know. Um, but also, I think now with uh, augmented reality, um, sound is more important than it has been so far because, you know, when you see an experience, what makes it feel re real is the sound. Um, it makes a huge difference if you interact with an object or with something and it's, it, it kind of feels a bit off. Um, so I think that's a good opportunity now for sound and it, it's very interesting and that's why it's great to be that space. And how can we uh, all work together to kind of improve uh, a sound and interaction with sound and make it more realistic for, um, for the experience to make everything more realistic and make, you know, and make it more immersive. Um, with, uh, with virtual reality, you're in an enclosed space, so it's a bit different, but there's still challenges. But with my reality, where it's a blend between reality and, um, and the virtual world, yeah, sound is, is critical. So it's, it's a very interesting space. Yeah. Um, staying with you guys just for a moment. Orpheus, what kind of tools are essential for modern um, mixed reality content developer, sound designer, in order to deliver high standard audio? So to design sound for this media, I guess you would start from the fundamentals. So you need a digital workstation to kind of start designing different effects. Um, and then you would need an engine that's like a, you know, not a middleware uh, to kind of um, make it work with, with um, the experience with the game. So like WISE or F mode. Um, and we have different tools that allow you to design sound very quickly, very easily. You can also record your own sounds. Uh, the other thing that's very important is specialization. So you need to use an engine to specialize the sound and make sure that it works well with, with the environment. Um, so there are different tools for that. Um, um, WISE, they have their own engine. Oculus, um, uh, Facebook 360 as well. DRVR, so different tools that you would use to specialize sound. Um, and also, of course, you have to record the sounds, make sure that they sound realistic, place them to the environment. But what we are interested in is how we can make that even more realistic. And because with fixed samples, sometimes you know things can be repetitive. It's very difficult to design a sound for an object. But when you interact with this object in all these different ways, it might sound fake or repetitive. So um, we need to really work into making it more more realistic. But there's a lot of tools that people use uh, to create sound. It's a very creative process and very interesting. Yeah. Let's put it into an even more specific context for the, for a moment. Jack, what kind of tools do you use in, in everyday life and kind of tools that you can't live without? Okay, so Unity is probably the most essential tool I've used at this point because um, that's what our projects are developed in. It's a gaming engine, and it essentially is a bunch of, you know, built-in things for audio. Like, you can place game objects in space and set the reverb zone and, like, you know, set how they sound and, like, how it sounds if you're like looking over here versus over here using the magic leap um, or any other device like that. Um, similarly, I work a lot in Pro Tools um, and there's a lot of good integration with Pro Tools and spatial sound. I know for 360 video there's like ambisonic pads and stuff and um, if we're talking like bare essential tools, I'd say if you're not working with Unity or like a live rendering game engine, um, Pro Tools and the Ambisonic package was my go-to. Um. Sounds like there's a lot to consider. 
<laughs> and a lot of choice as well. Yeah, it's a complicated kind of workflow as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll be able to dive into a little bit deeper into that aspect as well in a minute. Um, Jack, staying with you. Uh, what type of creative strategies for audio for mixed reality, augmented reality, have you explored or applied in your line of work so far? Right. So in augmented reality, you know, there are certain points where, like, you know, you can't just like make an arrow and have somebody like look over here or like, you know. Or like, let's say there's a bunch audibly happening, like there are a bunch of like augmented holograms of people talking in a room, like how do you make them listen to the part you want to listen to? Um, there are things like this where like, you know, blending in like kind of diegetic spatialization with like non-diegetic, more creative spatialization, like, you know, everyone has their voice coming out of their mouth, but all of a sudden like this person's voice, like you start hearing like in the stereo in your two ears or like, you know, you get like super close, like you would hear them in your right ear or something. Um, we've experimented a lot with audio cues. Um, also, since you're, I'm using Unity a lot, there's stuff like um, visually, like audio reactive visuals, like instead of like going and sitting down, like having like an effect or an animation, you know that you sit down to like, oh, how does this animation sound? Um, I sometimes work, because um, I do some of the animation too, like sound first, like create a sound and then have the actual visuals themselves like a particle system like reacting like how do you make a, it's an abstract object look like it's talking or look like sounds coming through it well like you know you make the visuals react to the sound um, so that it is in a sense like that is what it looks like when it's talking you set the parameters uh, uh, things like you know like ASMR is like possible now like or like live kind of like ASMR sounding things with the uh, Sennheiser AR1s, they're great, they do. You can blend in room sound, essentially. Um, there's a demo of it upstairs, I'm pretty sure, but that's something very cool and real that you can do is like, um, you know, you can choose how much of like sounds you want from the outside world. Like if there's like people talking in the room, you could hear them and if like, you know, you want it to be closed off, you can lower that volume. Um, it's basically just there's a large toolkit right now for what you want to be heard and like what those what you hear what it's telling you to do. Jean-Marc, Geo uh, Office, you guys essentially represent companies that create tools for content creators and sound designers, etc. Can we talk a little bit about the process of informing your kind of decisions that you use in the development process? How do you know we need to focus on this or the other? What we're involved in, uh, in my team at Magic Leap is the, the core technology to render the experience. So just like you need some algorithms to render the graphics on those. So those devices, for those who don't know, they, they look like uh, goggles. You can see through uh, the lenses, but they project, the device can project image, images on the lenses so that they appear to be there in the world uh, that you see. Um, and I, technology we develop is the audio counterpart of that, so that what you see also can make some sound, and that sound appears to come from what you see, from the objects that you see. So for us, the challenge is uh, fundamentally a 3D audio technology uh, challenge. It's an algorithm, signal processing algorithms, uh, but we want to uh, expose them, make them available to the users in such a way that the perception is the most important. Because we know people who are going to use them are sound designers. So uh, the, the, the underlying effort is to uh, focus on what's most critical perceptually, given that this is a device that's going to run on batteries. 
uh, we're going to have to save uh, power and minimize heat, etc. So we, we try to make it the algorithms as efficient as possible, at the same time without sacrificing what's perceptually most critical. So we're really at the bottom of the stack where we just, these are algorithms that are just to output the sounds that are right for the experience. And we make them available through an SDK, um, essentially through plugins for Unity, Unreal, etc. Uh, as well as an internal uh, game engine, or oh, I should be maybe holding this closer. Um, so that the, the developers like Geo, uh, like Jack can uh, then use that technology in a manner that's optimal for the particular device that we developed. Yeah, I mean, similarly, um, obviously Sennheiser has a long history of hardware devices, both on the capture and the playback side of things, and also for that matter, kind of split between like, uh, you know, pro-focusing solutions or prosumer solutions and, and normal day-to-day -day people with consumer products. And so, I mean, similarly, similarly to, to how Jean-Marc just finished, like, it really just depends on, you know, what solution we're trying to solve and what user we're trying to serve. Um, so, specifically in a mixed reality context, like, um, you know, we've, we've done solutions before thinking about how can we bring binaural or 3D audio to normal day-to-day -day people, maybe people that are doing blogs, and so we made the Ambio Smart Headset, which is something that you can just plug into an iOS device, and that was something that required a lot of um, direct communication just with normal people that were making videos for YouTube and things like that. But you know, coming back to a specifically for mixed reality and Magic Leap, um, obviously it's a big kind of wild, wild west space. And there's so many things that haven't been defined yet. And there's still a lot of content that I think needs to be made um, for experiences for people to have when that universe is ready for everyone, you know, no matter who you are um, or where you are. So uh, the focus for us um, primarily has been thinking like, you know, how can we assist those developers? How can we make sure that they're getting, you know, the best tools that they need to either maybe capture content with things like the VR mic and working together with those people or um, on the playback side, like the, uh, the AR1s are kind of our solution for um, the Magic Leap specifically um, for a, a dedicated playback uh, headphone. And so it really just matters, you know, what user you're focusing on, what solution you're trying to solve and making sure that every change you're making to a product and every thing looking forward is you're always keeping that, uh, keeping the user's experience and their needs in, in, in mind. Yeah. Yeah, for us, the, our mission is to improve the way people work with sound. So initially we started with like Dehumanizer, which allows you to make monster creature sounds using your voice. So we focused on like something that takes a lot of time and it's a kind of a complex procedure. So for that example, you need to use multiple effects and different animal sounds. So what we do is we simplify the workflow. So we put everything in one place so you can perform the sounds with your voice, for example, dehumanizer. Um, so the same with weaponizer, for example, weapon sounds with igniter for vehicle sounds. Again, very, very complex workflows that take hours. Uh, so we kind of analyze what, how people design sound and how we can make that easier, faster and reduce the, the time that it takes to design something that you have in your mind to, to make it happen. You know, because when you say, oh, I want to create this sound that sounds like that, you know, you can think about it, you can, you can have in your head how it's gonna sound, but then to create it, you have to use different tools, you have to edit a lot, you use a keyboard and mouse. So what we're trying to do is kind of make it faster so you don't have to use a keyboard and mouse that much, so you can perform the sounds. Um, and 
that's that's how we came up with reform as well, which you can perform any sound effect with your voice or any other input. And then a step further is we can do that automatically based on different experiences. So we really study how people um, design sound and what are the pain points and how we can improve that. We work as a team and we work with the top professionals in the industry to make that happen. Gio, you've already mentioned a, a couple of pieces of technology that Sennheiser develops, but can we just go a little bit deeper into that? And I wanted to ask if you could give us an overview of uh, what types of hardware and software tools have you and the Ambio team at Sennheiser have been developing to break those initial barriers, essentially, and enable content creators and sound designers to kind of take it on next level and essentially kind mm-hmm. of democratize the whole um, ecosystem between creation and Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that one thing specifically in the mixed reality space that we identified really early on was that there was a need for a dedicated mixed reality playback device um, because, you know, Magic Leap as as well as uh, if you look at HoloLens or um, even some of the VR headsets and solutions on the market, a lot of them have built-in speakers, um, which obviously is something necessary for the product to have, to have it working out of the box. But, um, you know, you may find that uh, you need uh, a broader frequency range um, to reproduce for your listener, or maybe you need to ensure that you have privacy and there's no bleed between you and other players or you and other people. Um, And so we started identifying those needs, particularly for developers and saying, okay, um, you know, we have the tools to solve that. And so that was kind of the result of uh, the AR1, really, that's that's what that resulted in. And that's, for those that don't know, is, um, you know, like I said before, kind of uh, our, our dedicated playback device for the Magic Leap, where you can plug it right into the, uh, the LightPak computer, and you know, each, ear, each earphone, it looks like a normal pair of earbuds, but there's actually a dedicated microphone, so a binaural stereo microphone in total, um, in, in both ears. And so what that allows you to do, which is super important when it comes to mixed reality, is um, activate what we call transparent hearing, which is this idea that um, I can let in the sounds of the real world around me just as if I wasn't wearing a pair of headphones at all. Um, and then I can then take that you know, reality layer as a bed and augment that essentially with these virtually rendered sources you know, with binaural panning tools and things like this. So um, you know, on the hardware side, like uh, these headphones that utilize transparent hearing and really embrace the reality part of augmented or mixed reality has been a focus for us. Um, and then when it comes to the software side too, um, you know, it's a matter of kind of identifying what needs that we found engineers um, finding themselves in and, and having to solve. And uh, particularly within the mixed reality space, like um, well, on the Magic Leap platform where there's so many developers right now and not necessarily uh, consumers using the, the product just yet, um, we wanted to make sure that in addition to providing a hardware solution, we could give, you know, in software an example of what we see as possible for really pushing audio in this medium. And that's why we made this uh, experience called the Ambio Augmented Audio Lab um, for the Magic Leap, which is really kind of this uh, fun way of interacting with sound as if it was a physical object. You can create it, destroy it, shape it, manipulate it, throw it around the room as if it was a, like a ball of energy, essentially. And um, we really wanted to kind of uh, pose the question to the development community at large because it is still so ill-defined of what can be done in this space. We wanted to ask, um, you know, if, if sound was something that you can really 
interact with or manipulate as a real object, or for that matter, if you really focus in general on sound as the heart of a mixed reality experience, what could be possible? Yeah, ultimately, just both on the hardware and software side, trying to make sure that we're giving developers um, and creators every tool that they need to push these kinds of experiences forward, I guess. Jean-Marc, your team at Magic Leap have also developed a number of integrated tools that essentially streamline the sound production process within Magic Leap's own operating system, Lumen, but also widely uh, used game engines such as Unity and Unreal. Could you talk a little bit more about Magic Sound Field Audio, uh, MSA plugin, which I believe involves the key functionalities for spatial audio, including object-based spatial rendering, um, OpenAI vibration engine, um, near-field binaural rendering, physics-based distance attenuation, and perceptual wound modeling, a, a lot of things. Can you go one by one through these features and explain to us why they're essential? So the, 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 the fundamental one that's needed first is to be able to place the sound in space. So that's the 3D position audio rendering. And that's necessary because when we display, so again, we're talking about a mixed reality device where we can see the real world and there are objects that are presented to the person, to the user. And they need, uh, as you see them, the sound needs to come from where you see them. And if you no longer look at them, the sound still seems, it's necessary for the sound to still appear to where it was when you were able to see the object. So there's, there's a critical piece of the technology, which is the 3D position audio rendering. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, it needs to be running in a very efficient, computationally efficient way. So then the, the refinement, the next refinement of that is that it needs to also, we need to be able to render the position in elevation also, in case, like if you bend down or as, uh, so that, the object seems to be relatively to your head to be above. Uh, if you walk towards an object, it needs to sound as if it's now much closer to you. There. So there are some special processing that's necessary. That's what we call the near-field rendering. Uh, then uh, what needs to happen is if the, if the object turns around, uh, like for instance, if the object is a character, uh, so in that case, not an object, let's say a person <laughs> speaking, uh, but uh, looking away. The sound of that uh, voice is going to change. And so it's going to be noticeable if we don't uh, reproduce the impression that this creates. So we need to simulate what we call the directivity of a source. We need to take, take into account in the virtual world uh, how it's oriented relative to the person. So that's another piece of the technology that we have to implement in there. And then perhaps finally, I'll, I'll add the sound of the room. So in virtual reality and game audio in general, that was always critical uh, to add reverberation. Uh, so that in the very early uh, years, like in the late 90s, reverberation was missing in game engines. And it was obvious that it was necessary to add that. So if the game happens in a cave if, and you don't render the sound of the cave, it's not convincing at all. Very frustrating. Uh, in mixed reality, something special happens because we are, when the sound in our environment make, uh, emit some, some energy, uh, that energy bounces on the walls of the environment and we call it this phenomenon reverberation. And if then we, at the same time or just after we play a virtual sound object and 
we use the same kind of techniques of uh, using a virtual reverberation from any, any effect that may be available to the, the, the programmer. If it doesn't match the acoustics of the room, then there is what you could call a dissonance between the real world that you can hear, like if somebody who's really there is talking to you, and then if you say you want to simulate a virtual conference, and there's another character which is a virtual person, but their voice uh, resonates in a space that's not, appears to resonate in a space like that's not yours, then uh, we are missing something. So we have an extra challenge, which is to be able to simulate the sound sources as if they were in the space you're in, the user is in. Uh, so we, we had to design the engine in such a way that if you tell it enough information about some general characteristics of the reverberation of the room, it'll automatically make the scene sound as if uh, the way it would sound if the sources were at the position they are, oriented the way they are with the directivity pattern that they have. So that was probably the biggest challenge, the, the biggest innovation we had to introduce in, in the design of the engine. Then, so that's the fundamental algorithm, and then we expose it through uh, those engines, those uh, tools that are, the game community is very familiar with. So essentially, we uh, created interfaces for Unity, for Unreal, as I mentioned earlier, and those same parameters show up. The room reverberation, XYZ positions of sound sources, the orientation, the directivity. It's the same model in all the engines. We just provide a front-end uh, graphic UI for sound designers to use those. Uh, so that's essentially what we call Magic Leap Sound Field Audio right now, uh, focusing on spatial audio rendering, and then as things move forward, we'll end up also having to worry about how we generate the raw material of the sound. That's a sound synthesis is gonna become a critical piece of that. Uh, and you know, a number of things will extend uh, this magic leap sound field yeah I, I think another like great example of that taking the room modeling one step further is simple things like you know if I have a sound source or a person talking to me and I'm, I place them in another room behind the wall and I close the door right like simple things like occlusion that maybe we take for granted because they're kind of implicitly built into virtual reality experiences um, but now it, I think that really hits on the heart of what sets mixed reality audio apart is that like you have to be you know, consciously aware of your context. And it has to be um, working well within an arbitrary environment, which is, I think, the really exciting thing about mixed reality audio. I should probably add that, is that uh, um, in mixed reality, you don't know in advance what the world is around. So typically when you program a mixed reality experience, there's a collection of sound sources and either they've been set in space, their, their relative positions have been decided in advance, or it's decided at the last minute, depending on the actions of the experience, like maybe the game scenario. But in virtual reality, the room in which this happens, and its properties, and uh, the, the rest of the scene, uh, is known in advance. It's programmed by the person who created the experience. But it makes reality that person does not know in advance what the room's gonna not look like, is there gonna be furniture? Uh, mm -hmm. What, the, is the, if there is some furniture, is it made of wood or, me, or metal and all? So all these parameters are discovered at the last minute at, during rendering time. And that makes it, that makes mixed reality completely different fundamentally from a technology point of view uh, when compared to virtual reality. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's definitely something that you consider when you're developing one of these is like, you know, to create like the presence of the room. We've done things like, you know, like, oh, your mom just got home. You're playing like a character who's like in it. And then like, you know, you just put subtle, quiet, like low end footsteps in the back, back background. Um, like, you know, like somebody's in the house. It's like giving a presence. Like you may not notice it. Like you add like artificial air conditioner sound, you know, it's like maybe it's a hot day or something like you place the sound up there to make it sound like, you know, you're creating a context audibly that you can't necessarily have control over within your space. So you can do other subtle tricks with audio um, like that. Well, we just talked about um, quite a number of um, really cool features that are available as a part of a kind of modern pipeline audio production for mixed reality. And sounds like it's absolutely critical to have those in place. Otherwise, you simply cannot... Uh, portray the the realistic um, wherever the content is essentially but so there are many technological achievements in general that we can celebrate as an industry in this field but we do still f face some challenges as well and some limitations things such as uh, computational power on, for object rendering and elevation perception etc and or even perhaps like you know a simple necessity of uh, having have to implement pre-rendered material that you produce, design, and endure before you move on to audio implementation game engine. So Orpheus, I would like to ask you, and I, actually I would love to ask all of you, is whether or not we might expect new developments in the field of procedural audio and convolution, particularly in your case, as well as the integration of these tools within the pipeline that essentially involves real-time rendering. And to be more precise, for example, um, I'd like to find out more about physical object with a digital object uh, kind of relationship and what you might call physics-driven sound synthesis or procedural yeah. audio as a more commonly known term. Yeah, so <clears throat> when you design a, a sound for a game, um, usually you have to you know, record different sounds and then say, okay, if I drag with this object this way, place play the first sound or the second sound or the third sound. So you have different um, different kind of um, sounds that play in different interactions. But uh, in a mixed reality environment um, and in even virtual reality, you want the object to feel more real. And because you see the object in front of you, it depends on how you interact with this, with this object. It needs to sound different and sound more realistic. Um, so procedural audio is when you generate um, sound uh, from using synthesis or from scratch. So using like physics models and things like that to, um, and based on the properties and the material of the object, generate the sound automatically, um, which is kind of challenging at the moment. I mean, there are different uh, techniques that people use, but a lot of these things using just synthesis, uh, most things don't sound that real. So um, it's, it's a challenge and there's a lot of uh, work that we're doing in that field. And we basically, what we are trying to do is use samples for that. So it's kind of a, a mix between procedural audio and a sample-based procedural audio, let's say. Which means that you, know, you record the sound of you know, a, a cup, for example, and, and different how you do interact with this cup. And you make different recordings of that. And then we parameterize that. And then basically you can reproduce that in real time. But it's very dynamic. So it's more like procedural audio, but using existing recordings, which makes it sound more realistic. Uh, the other challenge with procedural audio is that you need uh, someone um, very experienced to design the model. So if you want to design uh, an instrument, for example, it's extremely complicated to using physics to 
uh, create a mold that could create any possible sound that you can create with that, that this, um, this instrument can make. So it's a very challenging field and it's very interesting for us uh, to, to develop and, and be that space. I'm curious um, whether um, tools like um, Reformer could potentially become part of um, kind of real-time rendering um, pipeline, you know, in like somewhere like maybe a part of MSA um, system that could essentially help with the, some of those challenges. Do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I think uh, well, the first thing probably worth mentioning is that it, even if we have the best possible 3D audio rendering algorithms, if the material that they we up front of that, we play some material that we're going to then position in space. And if that's not realistic, we can do a really good job rendering 3D audio and positioning them in space and simulating the acoustics of the room. But if the sound is repetitive or not realistic given the particular conditions, like maybe a cup hitting a wooden table and but sounding like uh, maybe plastic table instead, uh, immediately that's going to break again, create a dissonance between what you expected and what you hear. Uh, so we, we are well aware that that's going to be a major uh, next phase really, uh, for us. And so we, what we call MSA, Magic Leap Spatial Audio, or Sound Field Audio, needs to incorporate that. I guess th that's probably where I should stop uh, in, in answering this question uh, <laughs> to, give a, to give a chance to others to discussion it's something that a lot of games have um, procedural audio but it's a usually a small percentage of sound so you can do like the sound of a, you know air conditioning because it's like noise and it's repetitive um, or bird sounds or maybe water but if you have more complicated sounds like surfaces or animals and things like that that the sounds are very complicated are very difficult to create them from scratch so that's why kind of what we're looking at is using samples to create that in, in real time not to get too futuristic here, but I'm, I'm wondering if machine learning has a role to play at some point in this yeah. business yeah. by using its powers to kind of to learn all the complex patterns and be able to kind of, you know, eventually reproduce those things and really help us to streamline the workflow. Exactly. That's what we're looking at. And we've used some machine learning for reformer, the way we analyze the sound. So we, we have a sound library and we analyze it, we get different characteristics and then we 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 reconstruct the sound in real time based on data or sound. So yeah, machine learning is something that is key to understand sound and all the different properties in order to reproduce that in a realistic way. Could, could you open the curtain a tiny bit for us and tell us a little bit how it works? Okay, so it works as, let's say you want to create the sound of, uh, let's say, a tiger and you want to be able to perform that. Um, we just have different recordings of, of tigers, different growls, different you know, breathing sounds and things like that. And then we analyze that, we, we make a table, let's say, with all the characteristics of the sound, different peaks, different frequencies, and a lot of other things. Um, and then when you make a growl into the microphone, we analyze that sound and we find parts in this library that match with the properties of your voice. Mm -hmm. And we construct a new sound effect in real time. The same with materials, you know, we have, let's say you want to make a leather library. So then, uh, you know, you have footsteps and you want to make it sound like you were in leather shoes. So we, 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 we record leather and we make different expressions. You know, we, we get a Foley artist to, to make different sounds with a leather jacket, for example. And then we take that and we analyze it and we create a leather library. So when you, then you can perform it with, um, you know, any kind of sound. You can wrap the microphone, for example. 
top of the microphone, make sounds of the microphone, then it will sound like leather. And because it's real time, um, let's say, um, sound editing and different sounds blend together that are already exist and are realistic, it sounds very, very good. So that's kind of how it works. Very interesting. Um, Jack, um, as a content creator, what technological advancements you've been enjoying thus far, especially this stuff we touched on earlier, and um, perhaps are there any challenges that you're facing and you kind of features you you would like to request? Because, you know, you're sitting here in front of uh, um, people who essentially develop a cutting-edge technology. Like, what's the most common thing that you tend to come across on, on a regular basis? Okay, yeah. Um, so in terms of, I'll start with the good, in terms of things I enjoyed. Um, yeah, in terms of things I enjoy, I think uh, our most recent project, A Jester's Tale, was on Magic Leap, and it's been it's been incredible working with that uh, and pairing with the AR ones, which we didn't end up using at Sundance itself, but experimenting with has been great. Um, you know, it's just cool thinking about sound in this new way when you're mixing for something that can react to like your own physical position. It's no longer like you know you're trying to mix for like a 2D thing and like you have it in quad and you can make things kind of sound like where they are like if you're like looking straight forward like now you know you can be like in a room and like you know no matter where you are like oh that's there you know that's literally right there there's a person in this room with me I can see them I can hear them like if I turn away you know it's in my ear right here like very humanistic uh, vocals and stuff I haven't gotten a chance to work with Krodos yet but having seen it now I'm very excited for the future where that'll go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just like the implications for that, not just like things like sound design, but for music, like working with music inside Magic Leap has been, has been a joy. Um, you know, you can make, you know, beats and stuff of just like movement, like physically moving beats, like, you know, work that doesn't, it's not like a stagnant stereo song, um, just like as a, pure, a compositional tool has been really um, interesting and very impressive to work with and like you know if you've done the demo upstairs for the ambisonic thing like you can make like place sounds behind like a desk or something and it sounds like it's over there like you know new strategies for how to like compose and like generate and create music um, has been super interesting um, in terms of challenges um, it mainly comes along with mobile AR I think is um where we were talking about how like, you know, if you're in a headset, like it's reacting to where you are while like if you're using like a mobile like device, like an iPad or an iPhone, you're trying to get the spatial audio going. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's less accurate. It's more like you're walking around holding like a boom or something um, where you can get like, cause some interesting effects and like do stuff, but it's always gonna be like, you're holding like a camcorder type thing instead of like, you know, you're immersed, it's less immersive. I think that would be a really interesting project um, or like an interesting obstacle to overcome is how to keep the same level of like headset immersion in the audio with like a mobile device. Um, I know Gio was saying that there's some things they can do with like general face tracking. So like it's like while you're looking forward, like it's tracking your face and it can see like, oh, you're turning this way like slightly like up the signal on the right ear and stuff like that, which is I think a start and like a really good creative solution. But seeing as currently the Magic Leap's not as readily available and mobile AR is kind of the most distributable form of the medium at this point, um, that's an interesting uh, boundary to overcome for the spatial sound designer. Uh, before we wrap up and um, open for Q&A, I just wanted to uh, I suppose ask your 
conclusive thoughts about the whole industry. Um, and I suppose you can mention a few things. Perhaps if, if you're feeling ambitious, maybe you could uh, talk to us with some um, upcoming trends or things you anticipate, or maybe just show your thoughts about where, where do you think industry is heading or where it should be heading and it's not. Um, anything you like. Jack? Yeah, I think the future moving forward, um, I think something that really interests me personally and like I think could be popular is more generative like albums, like generative mixes, like how does this song sound at night, you know, how does this song sound, you know, like it's a, like we have it right now with like AR where like it's a different experience per each person's context, but like if you just apply that to just the sonic world, like, you know, it's like you could be listening to an album and then like it's generating like taking in like you know maybe like it's hooked up to like something with photo resistors where it's like you can tell it's light outside or like the time of day and like how it's constantly evolving and like less of like a stagnant piece of like music or sound art but um evolving with the user and yeah exactly i think inter interactivity is the key and it's a good really time for sound and a lot of the time, sound is an afterthought because people focus a lot on, on the image, especially when it comes to like you know films and, and even games sometimes. But now I think with augmented reality and mixed reality, we are in a very exciting time because sound is very important. And I think the future of sound is more interactive, more generative, um, and more performative. Um, so you can perform sound, you can interact with sound, you can generate sound. Also, um, it could, it doesn't have to be fixed media. It could be, you know, things that change based on different parameters. It's, it's a very exciting time and all these technologies, AR, um, um, sorry, machine learning and artificial intelligence can also improve kind of how we work with sound and how we, we perform sound. Uh, so it's a very exciting time. And also the other thing that um, I think it's going to affect that, and not only for some, but in general, it's 5G, something that people, that I've heard a lot of people talking about, because 5G will allow information to kind of um, uh, be transmitted way faster, which means that we can have um, a lot of processing power on supercomputers, and then we can stream anything on mobile devices. Um, and that's something that could also help with like generating sound, a very complex sound and when very supercomputer, then you can stream that using a mobile device. So. Yeah, I think you both hit on like one of the things that I'm really, really excited about, which is just nonlinear experiences, yeah. like especially for music, because I'm, I'm a musician kind of as my night job. And um, like the idea that you can create a piece of music that is different every time, or like you said, like evolves and is responsive to not just maybe the time of day, but like the weather or how you're feeling, like your heart rate, like really getting into thinking about what can the future of you know music or just in general like entertainment experiences can be, because I think we're also going to start to see that the hard lines that in traditional media have separated music from film, from video games, are starting to become more and more blurred um, in this kind of a medium. And so, like, I feel like there's so much space to have, you know, an interactive music video that's kind of a game, but kind of not. Um, so I, I definitely, like, sympathize with, with, with that feeling. And the other idea that I wanted to throw out there that I'm also really excited for is... Um, just the generally shared experiences in mixed reality, um, whether they're local and I'm, you know, interacting with the same pseudo virtual real world with people in the same room, or it's remote, or maybe a combination thereof, where it's like multiple people around the world having a shared experience. Um, I think that's going to be really, really cool. And if you apply it to like music or games, 
You know, like what could the future of concert experiences be like when all of a sudden you have a level of interactivity that was never possible um, before in a traditional concert venue and, you know, you can have it within the privacy of your own space or, or maybe for that matter, like, you know, I think we often, when we think about mixed reality, we're like defaulting to the environment of being in your living room with your personal device, but like that's totally not always the case, right? Like, you know, this whole, this phrase got thrown around a lot with VR, like the VRcade, where people were thinking, oh, like we're gonna go to VRcades again, and people are gonna go to the arcade to have these like amazing, you know, uh, like shared experiences that are installations specifically, like what installations could be like, where we're thinking about more than just the living room environment. Like, I, I think there's a, a totally untapped space um, that's just waiting to be kind of cracked open. I think we're going to see, uh, in the near term, there's going to be probably a, a push coming from uh, uh, enterprise kind of applications, especially, I think, virtual meetings. Uh, one of the things that is a hassle for our life as professionals is that we have to travel to, for a meeting. Uh, and we use a lot of energy and time for that. And as, as these technologies evolve, one of the things I think we can expect is that it'll, be, it'll become practical to have meetings, virtual meetings, without having to travel. Uh, so that's one of the exciting utilitarian uh, things. It's actually a shared experience, as we mentioned. But I, I think, of course, I, I believe there's so much demand for being able to do this. And, but, but then the, the rest is all the new, yeah, the new uh, capabilities for entertainment. Uh, creative uh, applications that I think uh, essentially we, we come into a world where we're used to going somewhere. In fact, there's this dichotomy between the you are there experience where you go somewhere, like you go into a movie, you go into a concert. So you, you try to move from your reality to experience something new. But I think we're going to end up with uh, more experiences and expect more experiences where art is presenting to us where we are. Like, for instance, the concept of an installation where you don't go to see the installation, which is what we do now. You don't go to a museum, but the, the art comes to where you are. And you pick what your experience is going to be without you being limited by your ability to go to a place. So I think that's the other part of this uh, telepresence uh, in a, in a you know, uh, uh, trend and development that's happening in our world today. And I think it's a good time to open the floor for questions. Um, over to you guys. Yeah, maybe if you want to raise your hands, and then we'll, somebody will come up to you and pass the mic. You mentioned um, that uh, when you create a, a virtual object or a virtual creature, uh, the acoustics, uh, the acoustic properties of this creature have to match the acoustic properties of your room. And I just I, I can see that uh, it's kind of a holy grail to reach to make an experience uh, uh, believable or, or feel feel real in that sense. But I can see that we could take that further at that point uh, at some point and uh, create a, um, a new reality that has its own uh, set of uh, laws of physics. For example, uh, out of the top of my head, um, an alien creature that does not speak by resonating vocal cords, but that speaks by uh, using the glass of water on your table and uh, emanating sound waves from, from there, for example, or uh, even having a way of uh, an, an experience of hijacking your senses by changing the room acoustics uh, completely. 
and suddenly making you feel that you are in, the, in a different room and uh, uh, with additional visual cues making this be believable again if it's, if it's done right. Uh, I just wanted to hear your, um, your take on this, what you, you think are the possibilities and challenges if, if we go one step further. So I, I oh, just to have some ideas, I, I think it's uh, a very exciting uh, possibility that uh, we could use these techniques to even change the sound of what's physically here. I've only talked about, uh, you know, matching the physics with uh, sounds that we add uh, artificially, what we could call them digital objects. But then there's the other part of it, which is to take what's there, like you talking to us, but what if we could make you sound, we could make you sound like a person of a, another age or another gender or an animal or, so that's becoming replacing uh, the physical sounds. Uh, to some extent, we have to be able to do things like that because if uh, we create an experience where there's a physical uh, character or sound object and we put a virtual barrier, say a couch, a virtual couch. You know, there are some demos that you can see now where somebody goes, uh, you go online and you can pick a piece of furniture that you would like to put in your room. Uh, and you can see what your room would look like and then maybe you decide whether you buy it or not. But what if your dog is on the other side of that chair? And, well, we, you don't really care because you're, you want to just see what, what the chair would look like. But what if, if we had experiences where, in fact, we would like it to sound as if this chair is really here in the room? And then we, so we have to select the sound of that dog and make it sound like it's more muffled because it's behind the object. So that's just a very simple example, but then we could make it sound like a bigger dog or, you know, so that's also a, a possibility that's gonna, it's gonna become possible. It's more complicated because then we have to actually selectively extract pieces of the sound environment and modify them without modifying the rest. So it's gonna happen just because we have this problem with the obstacles, the virtual obstacles, we're gonna have to fix this problem. And that'll give us the ability to do other things, uh, like virtual modifications of the physical world. Yeah, I think that also makes me think of, um, like, I've seen so many, uh, you know, World War II, Call of Duty type games where a grenade will be thrown and it'll go off and then all of a sudden you'll have this explosion and then a really high tinnitus ring, right? And it's like a really cool effect because like all the audio from the, your, your TV or whatever um, is being filtered as if, you know, you've just suffered temporary hearing loss. But like the cool thing about a mixed reality playback device is that, you know, if, if you're using headphones that have uh, microphones embedded in them, like now you have the opportunity to actually take it one step further and then apply that kind of a filter on the person's real world hearing. And so like, I think that that touches on, there's a lot of potential for like giving developers and creators control over the, your the person's real world hearing and adjusting that too. I mean, we have, we in the past we, uh, have an ongoing kind of developers program with uh, people that are working in the augmented and mixed reality space. And one of the really cool, uh, you know, applications that came out of that program as a result was kind of a, almost an empathy application where you could um, listen through the ears of someone that was suffering from tinnitus or like severe hearing loss. And so, um, you know, I could hear the same way that grandma's hearing and have an idea of what that's like. And I don't know, that's, again, just kind of scratching the surface of that, but I think it's really cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, and the, with a transparent hearing, that's what that's one of the things that uh, is very interesting for us because we can use kind of we're talking about reformer to kind of transform someone who is talking to you know a, a completely different um, creature or an animal, or you can change you know when you walk on a surface and then the surface changes to becoming a like plastic or wood. You do that in real time, and if you have transparent hearing, you can hear some of the signal that the microphones pick up, but add on top of that you know, different kind of uh, sounds that make, make the experience more immersive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really interesting thing about uh, the AR ones with their real world, like including, um, it's, you can, the possibilities for that on like music could be anywhere from like, you know, like side chaining is like side chaining real world stuff or like potentially recording in objects, like back to the generative music thing, like, taking in audio input from your world and somehow incorporating it into the music um you know as long as we're talking about generative like how do you incorporate how do you immerse somebody when you're just working with sound um and then you know there's all types of other possibilities like you know if you have enough control over the space like if you're doing like a location-based exhibit kind of thing like things like scene changes like you could like just like you know, oh, now I'm outside kind of thing, like, you know, by changing the reverb, like there was like some room verb, like if you're using voice interactivity, how you perceive your own voice, like kind of like how the effects are applied to that um, with audio input and things like that. Like, oh, I'm noticing now when I talk, I'm not hearing like this like big, like cathedral reverb now, it's like a lot more dry, um, you know, changing like you as a character using the AR in the experience, changing your perception of your own space um, and your own context, I think, is a really powerful tool to be included. So I know earlier you guys kind of touched on how this can be taken into, like AR can be taken into like events and actually instead of coming to the user's living room, they're actually going out to somewhere to experience this with many people. Uh, and then as well as mixing that with music, so like with music events, how can maybe like AR be affiliated either with like a festival or a club uh, where people can still get together, uh, but you don't need as as large of a space or like a big lot to, and all of these like like scaffoldings to to get a large event going, but yet you can put these goggles on and now have all of that already there through AR. Uh, like, what's the future of that looking like? So yeah, um, so for in terms of that, um, usually the, what we've worked with so far has been uh, what we call LBEs, location-based exhibits. So like in regards to like you go to a thing um, and that's what it is, like you have more control over the situation. You could design an experience like you were talking about, it's like an AR concert. Um, but I think what's also interesting about AR, like aside from the audio, is like there have been like apps you download when you go to a concert, you know, and then if you like look at the concert like through like your mobile device or stuff, like, you know, the visuals themselves are like, you know, audio reactive to like what's happening in the concert. And like, you know, you can like look at other people using the app in the crowd and, um, you know, things like, you know, an AR silent disco, I think could be like a pretty cool idea, you know, like everyone wearing their headphones and like generating like, you know, some kind of data. Um, in terms of yeah, the future of artistic expression in like LBEs, like gatherings that have to do with augmented reality, um, taking like crowd data and like applying it to like a visual reactor, like that is at a concert, for example. Um, yeah. You could imagine experiences where there will be bi-directional, where the audience is actually every concert is different because the audience influences what happens, uh, and. 
so that maybe no longer a stage. Yeah, something a bit more like a club where everybody is together. And, uh, if you imagine in, if it's augmented, an augmented reality experience, uh, because it's possible to present things differently than what they are, uh, the kind of uh, enhancement or uh, additions to the club experience could be uh, can be very large. It can be uh, adding characters who are not there. It can be adding objects that are not there. Uh, it can be making people hear different things. Uh, you, instead of even though everybody is together, if they have a personal listening experience, like on the AR1, mm -hmm. they can all hear something a little different that matches what is a better, maybe a better, uh, that uh, matches better their expectation or what is more exciting to them. You know, everybody can have a slightly different experience, but it can still be shared. So, yeah, that, you know, all possibilities, I think. Yeah, like, uh, I think a, an, a, an example that just popped into my head is maybe you have one concert being broadcasted or like volumetrically shared from one specific location, but then depending on the country that you're experiencing that concert in, maybe the language is different, you know? Um, or maybe if you're at like one specific location, um, I love the idea, I've always loved, like, I wanted to make this happen, is um, like you go to a club and depending on where you are within that club, like what room you're in, what environment you're in, they're in, like the music actually changes. So maybe there's a certain mix of actually what's going on at the front of house or like on stage, you know, you're in the main floor and it's a total banger. But then you go outside like in the lounge area and it's a slightly subtly different mix and it changes depending on where you're moving. And if you go to the bathroom, maybe it's like an underwater version. I don't know, whatever. But um, but taking your your location and things like that into account, I mean, that's going to be super cool. I had a lot of uh, brilliant ideas, and mostly entertainment-based. Are there any um, um, the the virtual meeting? Um, you were talking idea about the uh, walking through the city and being able to get your directions without looking down. Is there other sort of hands-free industrial real-world? Um, not
there's a general, I think there's a general category of applications that is uh, situational awareness, enhancing our ability to understand the world better, more quickly, uh, discover things that we would not normally be aware of. Uh, so I would call those situational awareness. It's kind of a generalization of the navigation uh, application. And, but, and, but it's not just entertainment. It's, I think fundamentally, the, you, you can imagine that technology is just enhancing the human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, my reality might replace mobile phones at some point in the future, so you don't have to yeah. look at your phone all the time. You'd be like that, you have awareness of your environment, but it's a house environment. And sound is very important because you react to sound. So if, if there's a, you know, a car and it makes a loud sound, you just react to it because we used to react to animals chasing us. So <laughs> sound is very important because we react to it. So using that to kind of warn people in you know, full directions as well and kind of can enhance the experience and augment uh, our reality. Yeah, I also, this reminds me of like a thought experiment that I sometimes like to do, which is like thinking about, okay, what's the problem that I have right now and how am I using technology currently to solve that problem or ease that task? Um, and, and how is that technology a barrier to my solution? So like, that's a little vague, but to give you, con you a concrete example, like if I need to speak, someone that's, to speak with someone that talks a different language than me, like this whole idea of real-time or pseudo-real-time translation, like you're using technology, but you don't have to work through a translation application. Like you're approaching an audio-only experience that gets rid of that barrier, so you can really kind of just grease the rails and make it a natural kind of, of an experience. So, I mean, even that specific example, like real-time translation, that's definitely one of those holy grail things, and, and there's a lot of work being done behind that, which is pretty exciting. And just worth adding, I think we're just scratching the surface. It's really early days for, for mixed reality applications in general. If we look at what happened with virtual reality industry, um, gaming industry has traditionally been like an early adopter for all kinds of things of this nature. And um, now um, medical applications, education, training have become one of the biggest uh, verticals in the industry. And obviously um, the use of audio um, from like sort of creative and practical standpoint um, has become a critical part of, of that process as well. I, th I think we're yet to see more examples. Do you have any more questions in the audience? Um, are there any experiences or any content that you guys have encountered lately that you feel is pushing some sonic boundaries in any directions that you're excited about? A jester's tale. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to try it. I'm, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, Orpheus, Gio, Jean-Marc, uh, thank you so much for sharing our thoughts today. I also want to thank uh, the amazing team at Sennheiser for organizing this panel. And thanks again for coming along, and have a great evening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. You have been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, featuring coverage from the Audio Design for Mixed Reality Applications panel, hosted by Sennheiser at GDC 2019. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Kaylin Tyndall with help from the Sennheiser team. 
and included music by Nobs Bergamo. If you can, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out in pushing our show further. The podcast is also available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Visit 1618digital.com to access the show notes and other episodes. Follow us at 1618digital on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.